Hello and welcome back to Turf Talk. It is Ark Weekend. I mean, look, it's not the Ark we'd have liked the news, obviously. This morning that love won't go on account of the ground. I think we were all expecting it. That being said, it's not like we don't have a headline name uh, to be cheering for at Longchamp. And it's not like there's, there's not loads of great racing in France at the weekend as well. There's also some good stuff at Ascot. And I've got a lovely, lovely chase at Gordon Park as well that I'm definitely going to talk about. Uh, joining me as per usual is James Watson. How are you doing, pal? Bonjour. Uh, je m'appelle James. Uh, that's about as much French as I know. Um, yeah, really looking forward to this weekend. Uh, sad that we're not going to see the clash of Love versus Enable. Maybe we might see it at the Breeders' Cup. Who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, really exciting weekend and, and hopefully Enable can have a crown-defining moment. Yeah, it's, it would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice. And we are going to start with the most prestigious race in Europe at the weekend. It is the Prix de like the Triumph. Uh, on Sunday, they get best prices 11 to 8 for Enable. I still think that's fairly tasty. 13 to 2, Stradivarius, 8 to 1, Sotsas, 12s in swoop, 14s, Serpentine, Mogul, and Rubiha, 16s for Japan. Please stop backing Japan, everyone. 22 to 1, Persian King, and 40 to 1, Bar them, one of whom I might make a case for. Uh, James, this, well, it enables had fairly simple tasks. On both of her wins this season, and didn't run poorly against Gaff in the Eclipse over a trip shot of her best against a race fit, genuinely world class racehorse. I mean, on on everything, you know, this should be free arcs, but we said that last year. Yes, we did say that last year, and World Geist upset upset the odds, and I'm I'm of the opinion that even just going down to the start last year, something wasn't right with Enable. Um, the fact that Frankie got off her, uh, in the parade ring and he, he he looked a bit jittery, Frankie, and a bit nervous almost. Um, and she didn't travel with the exuberance she normally does uh, in most of her races. She's normally quite uptight and uh, always Frankie's got a good hold of her. Uh, and she looked a bit lackadaisical last year. And I, I think this year... The, the arc's been the main aim from the beginning and she's always going to be wound up uh, for this race in particular. And we saw her on the debut in the Coral Eclipse that she, she ran a perfectly acceptable race. You knew that she wasn't going to be 100% and that's the race she took against a, a race fit gay and and he did the business. The next two uh, two wins have been almost schooling sessions. I'd say that they were, she were probably only 85, 70% fit. Uh, for them two victories, but that's all she's needed to be. She's been a class above the opposition, and the, the September stakes ended up being a perfect stepping stone for for the arc. And John Gosden's going to have wound her up as much as she can. She'll be a hundred percent. And I, I, I'm like you. I think eleven to eight is a tasty price, but I I don't think I want to be back. I I understand why eleven to eight. They've given eleven to eight because. I do think it is quite a deep field, although there's not a, another top-class rival to challenge her. I think there's some some 
good animals that could progress um, even more and, and, and improve on, upon what they've sh- shown so far. Um, but I, I want an able to win. Will I be back in a no? But if I get beat by her, I'm not really that fussed. Yeah, look, it's not... I've mentioned on the podcast before that there are some people who absolutely adore Enable. I'm not one of them. I respect her as a racehorse. You know, I've, I've, I think she, she's been brilliant. She's been fantastic. She's been one of the best... You know, well, she has been the best middle-distance horse in Europe in general for a long period of time. I just don't have that sort of affectionate connection that other people do for her. I will, I, I will be wanting her to win on Sunday. I will be wanting her to win on Sunday for the sporting achievement of winning three arcs. And I, I, I probably will get a little bit sentimental. It, it's nice to see a horse pull something so big off. And with it being the last start, yeah, I'm in a corner. I am in a corner. That being said, Jim, how, I mean, what, what does it mean for her legacy if she gets the three arcs? Well, I, I think it maybe enhances her reputation. Because on paper, to win three arcs is unheard of. We saw Trev uh, previously try and do it. But I think this will cement her legacy as a as a top-class racer. Because there's plenty of question marks over Enable um, as she's not run as, against as good a quality as some of the greats have. Um, which I think that's a bit harsh. And she's she's not run bad in... in well, she's not run bad. But she's won two arcs of triumphs. Um um, however, I do think the quality of horses at the time have all been Group 1, majority of them have been Group 1 animals. I think they are a bit harsh. And I think maybe it's because she's a mare. And I don't know, I think people are more harsh on mares than colts because they're willing to lose with a mare, whereas with a colt, they're probably going to be there as a three-year-old and that's it. They'll be chipped off to stud as soon as they've won all the big races. Um, but Enable's legacy... I think we'll always be fairly up there and it's it's nice to have seen one so soon after the Frankel and see the stars. Yeah, that 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 said say I I again this is a sort this is almost putting my foot in it and getting slated because she is world class. She is world class, but I I think that's where the limit the limit lies in terms of her being an all time great. And People really aren't gonna like that. But if, even if you look at arc within Phillies of the past, you know, decade or so, Enable's best official rating in Britain is 128, which is the same as what Zark ever got. Obviously, she never ran off, she never ran in Britain, but Longines at the end of 2009 gave her a rating of 128 after she won the arc and retired unbeaten. Trev got 130 on her only run in Britain. Daydream was one two eight when winning the King George, you know, and that that that's not meaning to to slag Enable off because I'm comparing her to wonderful wonderful racehorses, and the other thing Enable has is the longevity of it. Obviously, you know, all those fillies retired. You know, Trevor Trevor five uh, like Enable failed in a bit uh, for the arc as a five year old. Daydream retired at four. Didn't go for the second act, did she? She was a. It was something to do with quarantine, and she retired after that. And Zarkova retired straight after winning the act. Uh, but 
you know, that's that, that, that's just one of the little things. Maybe that stopped me from taking to it a little bit as much as other people into it would be the fact that I I wouldn't I wouldn't categorically say she's ever been a better horse than any of them. You know, and she can't she can't help what she's up against. You know, people call this a weak arc. It is a weak arc. She should still go and win it, and that won't nullify the achievement at all. Uh, I, I do hope she wins. I do hope she wins. She does it. She does deserve to win it. She does deserve to win it. Away from her, James, Stradivarius is second favourite for the app. Mind blowing. I mean, if he's the one that gets the job done, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place because I think I love Stradivarius. He's been so impressive this season. I have had my jaw on the floor both both times he won uh, the Ascot Gold Cup. Oh, sorry, just the Gold Cup and the Goodwood Cup. He's a wonderful horse, but I think I'd find it disappointing rather than uplifting if he won an arc. Yeah, I think the price has completely collapsed on him. Um, I think he'll be a running on third or fourth. Uh, the conditions, the way that they're talking about it, I think he's going to even be heavy. It's going to be proper hard stuff. And it's going to take some getting this Marlon for. And I think Stradivarius will certainly get get it. And I think last time they went an absolute crawl and he absolutely just didn't have... The wheels were spinning, but they were very, going very quickly against Anthony Van Dyke. And um, to say he only got beat a short head in the end uh, was a cracking performance for him. I, I can't be having him at 13-2 to two at this moment in time and going off second favourite. And like you said... As much as I quite like him to, because this is probably going to be his last run before we ever see him uh, on a race course again. And I mean, are you sure they're not bringing him back? I don't think they will. They've, they've done everything that needs to be done. Really, I hope. I hope they do. I, I, I'm I'm ninety percent sure that they won't bring him back for next season. Um, but I'd I'd love him, I'd love him to run a good race and be a staying on third, and then that that would finish his career and go, send him off to stud and let him do what he's always aspired to do as he normally does in the parade ring. Yeah, I I I can see Stradivarius going well, staying on into place, and I guess that's the reason why. He's been shortening as drastically as he has is because the more the rain comes, the more it turns into a stamina test, the more that suits Stradivarius. That being said, it's still a it's still a race over a mile and a half, and uh, surely there are three or four better horses in this over that trip. Hopefully, I'd hope so. Uh, also, towards the top of the market, Jim, you've got Sotsas and Inswoop, and then. The likes of Mogul, Rabiha, and Serpentine. What do you make of those? Any of those particularly stand out? Um, I like the chances of Serpentine supplemented for this race for seventy-five grand to be drawn in in the Longchamp car park. I think that's devastating for his chances. I think it's really, really difficult to win an arc or even be competitive from that draw. He'll get out and he'll probably try and push the pace along like he did in the Derby. 
Um, I fancied I fancied Serpentine for this race until I heard the draw. Um, that's my problem with him. In swoop links with another horse I'm going to be talking about a bit later on, but that German Derby performance was pretty remarkable, really. He, he was a long way back uh, coming around the, the bend, and the commentator had a, a lovely shouty, almost a Jerry Hannon moment, um, and it was it was superb by uh, Inswoop. And I think now that the ground's certainly soft, I'm going to be softer, um, that will certainly swing in the favour of him because he's a, he's a stout stayer. Um, and I can see him getting a bit further in time, and I can understand why the money's been for him in the last couple of days. Um, but I think this—I think his price has gone now, and there's a bit more value to be had elsewhere. Fair enough, mate. I quite like. Well, I don't want to say I quite like, but I find—I think Mogul is overpriced at fourteens. Which, given the way we've had a big giggle about him all season, might be something people find a little bit surprising to say. But he was... Look, he's winning the uh, Grand Prix de Paris last time was the most relevant piece of Group 1 three-year-old form all season. Obviously, minor question mark about the ground. You know, he's, he's never raced on anything softer than good soft, and that was at Ascot, and he got spanked. Uh there were reasons for that other day than the ground why it was that bad. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna particularly read into that. And looking at his family, Japan's won on softish ground before, so did Secret Gesture. Uh I wouldn't rule it out, but is it worth a couple of points more in the market? Yeah, it probably is, and that's why he's about fourteens. He looked good at Longchamp last time though. He looked good. I think, I mean, I'd have him down as a Ballydale number one. Yeah, I think I would as well, no? I, I expect Rabia to be better than what she was in the May. Uh, the way that race panned out didn't suit her. Went too slow for her. And that, that's about a fair enough price. Serpentine, I find a hard horse to get a grasp of. Uh, I don't like bagging horses when I don't know what they are. Japan, I do, I do know what he is, and that's a Fred Winter horse. Uh, <laughs> so at forty to one, Jim, given that you've got a very good stayer at thirteen to two, at forty to one, a slightly worse stayer is Way to Paris, who's actually won a Group One over a mile and a half this season, and goes well on the ground. Yeah. Can he sneak into the frame? Yeah, and that, I think, that that would be my each way angle. Uh, you certainly have to respect him. His his, his win uh, at Sloan Clue, uh, beating Nagano Gold was a very good performance. Um, like you said, he's he's got experience over over longer distances. He's, he's had a cup campaign in France. Um, he was second uh, in Group Twos over a mile and seven on heavy ground, and he, like you said, he'll certainly go on the ground and. I mean, there's a. You'd be disappointed if he was in the frame, but you wouldn't be surprised if he would. He doesn't exactly fit the classic archetype, doesn't he? He's almost 
he's he's progressed with his running if you look throughout his career and he's got better the older he's got. Um, but you'd be slightly disappointed if he was to be there or thereabouts. I'm I'm not sure whether I'd say disappointed, to be honest, because I don't I think this is a disappointing field for the arc. I, I think, don't think it is. Isn't it? I think it's an, intri- an intriguing Two months ago, field. Two months ago, run. I think, I think it's, it's lost a little bit of credibility, but there's still a decent standard in behind Enable. How many of these horses do you think are genuine top-class performers over a mile and a half? Two, three, four... I, th- I think there's a fair whack of them. You were counted up then to f- at least four. Uh, well, I'd only, I'd only, I was only on the top of my page. Um, I, I'd say... Uh, take them out. I'd say only four aren't. Uh, Are you mental? There is, one, there is one horse in this race that has shown group on form over a mile and a half this season, and that's Enable. Stradivarius is a cup horse. Serpentine. Sorry? Serpentine, Group 1 form, won the derby. Beating Khalifa Satanor and Nafain. It's for, it, you know, like we said, that, that is, in terms of how, how much you could accurately value that form, that would be 1 out of 10. It means not, to me, the derby means so little informed. And Japan's been bad all year. We don't know how good the crop of three-year-olds are, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be happy to say Mogul is definitely a bona fide top-class horse. Sotsos have been disappointed by this season, and I'm not sure how good last year's three-year-olds were either. The same comments I've I've said to Mogul apply to Instroop and Rabiha, because the you know the French haven't looked particularly grand this season, and she got done last time out. Persian King is a Group One horse, but over a different trip. Uh, Deirdre's been poor this year. I've put way to Paris up, but he's a boat. Uh, there's there's one group one horse in this race over a mile and a half and that's Enable and she wins it well I'm going to throw my dart towards the board and I'm going to tip a 50 to 1 Gold Trip I think he's slightly overpriced Uh, there's been a bit of money for him in the last couple of days I think he's a short 33 but there's one company still offering him 50 to 1 and I'd be willing to give him a chance in a strongly run mile, mile and a half race. Um, if, if you go back to three starts back, uh, he got the better of in swoop uh, over a mile and two. And, and I don't think that was necessarily to his liking because I think he, there's a quite a bit of stamina uh, in him. Um, you then go to the Prix de Jockey Club and everything went wrong that could have. He was slow away. He was uh, forced wide. He was then ridden pushed forward uh, to dictate the pace with with the front uh, runners and then they he just couldn't withhold his run because he, he slow start and he stepped down in trip and he quite clearly just, that race wasn't ideal for him. Um, and then he's third in the Grand Prix de Paris. He was only nabbed on the line by Inswoop and I, I think that Pasquier was probably easing down on him slightly and wasn't expecting anything to come a, a, as quickly over the top of him. And I think Mogul got a better run through than Gold Trip. He had to angle out around the runners, go down the outside. And I think Mogul's got, I never thought I'd be saying this, but I think Mogul's got a few more gears uh, than Gold Trip. And I think 
Gold Trip is just a galloper, and I think I think the ground will certainly suit him. Uh, he's got a big rounded action, uh, and I think he dig his toe in. And I think fifty to one is is a more than generous price uh, for a horse that's been running fairly well against horses that are in this field that are a lot shorter prices. And I think he's almost been a bit forgotten about in the market. Fair enough, mate. I like that. I like the angle, and why not have a swing when I, I feel like surely there's not much. That I don't feel like there's as much between the horses at forties as there is between the horses at eights, as the market would suggest. And don't get me wrong, Sotsas is definitely a likely winner of this race and way to Paris. Not sure at five times the price, though. Not sure it's five times likelier, especially to hit the frame. Uh, Oh, I want to be enthusiastic about the arc. And talking about it with you, Jim, it's kind of getting me in the mood. It's kind of getting me in the mood. It's a little, it's a little bit of a deflated arc. And I know uh, uh, Tim Carroll put a tweet up about it today saying, you know, has the, has the arc just been a really disappointing race over the last few years? You know, cutting up badly. And I feel like it hasn't done again this season. Like I said, I, I feel there's only one genuine top-class mile-and-a-half horse in it. So hopefully she goes and wins and we all celebrate. Yeah, that's the ideal scenario. Gold trip for you as the alternative way to Paris for me. Uh, the undercard on Arc Day will deal with the two-year-old's last we were a little bit back in time for the Prix de l'Opera. Alpine Star and Fancy Blue 100 to 30 giant favourites ahead of Turkiel at 9 to 2. Tanawa 17 to 2. 16 to 1. Bar then. Interesting race this, James. A race I tend to have do quite badly in, and sometimes it can pay to up for a bigger price here. Where are you going? Well, I'm going to do the complete opposite and stick with my girl Fancy Blue. I've been a big fan of her. Since stepping up uh, in trip and last time in the matron over a mile, she just was never really travelling. She was never really going. Um, they were going far too quick for her. Um, she, did, she were all at sea and it, it was evident that a mile and two of, well, I've always been of the opinion since uh, she won the Nassau at Goodwood that a mile and four would probably be her optimum, um, an ideal trip in time. But they obviously thought she had enough speed to, to lie up with it, which she saw uh, with a second in the 1,000 guineas. However, I, I think she, she'll be very hard to beat here. Um, she's facing Alpine Star again, who she got the better of uh, in the Prix de Diane uh, early on in the season. All, all a bit of sh- a short neck, but I think she were a bit more value for that performance. Um, you've got to respect Tanawa, the older horse, who... Won the Vermeer the other uh, earlier in September, um, beating Rabia, who we've mentioned and give quite a bit of praise to uh, in the arc. So the form of Tanawa is is good, um, well I'd say better than good. And six to one, I think, is a generous price. I would have quite liked to see Tanawa turn up in the arc, would you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's look, the Vermeer is one of the best trials in it. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I thought that would be quite interesting. I mean, we saw 
that was over a mile and four. Will Tanawa have the speed to drop back to a mile and two? We've we've seen her uh, do it before. Uh, we saw her as a three-year-old in uh, at the Curra in a Group Two win over a mile and two. So there's no question marks about it. But I think she is better over a mile and four. Um, I can't say I know an awful lot about Tokyo. Um, we've seen just we've seen her get home in the last couple of starts. Uh, in a group one and a group two so you have to rate her to go into this race but I think she still has to step up quite a bit to, to challenge Fancy Blue and Tanawa Yeah she was very visually impressive when we in the pre-start all the way back in June did that by five lengths and you know what she, her group two at Deauville despite it not being by particularly further was probably by a bet, was probably a better race Tickle Me Green is an alright yardstick in in France, uh, and she was just about always on top of her. Only won by eleven and a half. She's really, really interesting to kill. She gives this race a little, makes it a little bit uh, more interesting to me than it would have been otherwise. I probably am with you, though, Jim. With Fancy Blue, I, I feel like this is a trip. I feel like, all right, there's, there wasn't much between her. And Alpine Star in the Diane, that's why they're probably called for, uh, Giant Faust. I, I, I just kind of slightly prefer over this trip. Although, in general, Alpine's, Alpine Star's form is better overall, I'd say. But I'm not. I think this is definitely Fancy Blue's optimum trip. I'm not 100% sure whether Alpine Stars is this or a mile. Yeah, I, I, I think, looking back at it now, I think a mile for Alpine Star is probably where she's at her best. Could be a good race. And you know what? It, 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 it doesn't take much for, for Alpine Star to turn the tables from the Diane. Good race. Yeah, exciting race. Not one, not one I'd be playing in. If I was going to have a bet, this would be one I'd be avoiding because I don't, I can see, I think there's very, very little between the two favourites. I don't have a particularly strong opinion about either of them. And then you've got a complete joker in the pack with Tequila. And Tanar was a good horse as well. Good analysis, that, Lewis. <laughs> don't have a bet in the group one because they're all quite good. Uh, moving on then, mate. To another race, <laughs> I think he's a, every year an utter minefield. It's a pretty delabbed, the best price is 13 to 8 for Batash. 7 to 2 last year's winner, Glass Slippers. 7 to 1, Maker Challenge. 12's Keep Busy. 14's Liberty Beach. 16's for Lever Shop. Ed of Volse and Woodard. 20 to 1, Bar them. I mean, for me, Jim, the tactic in the Abbey is just throw a dart and hope for the best. <laughs> That seems to be the case most years. And um, is that dart going to be Vitash for you? Oh, oh! I, you know, I love Batash. I love Batash. I was really, really with him in this last season. <laughs> Surely it's the race he's most vulnerable in, though. Of oh, all the, yes. of all the five furlong group ones in Europe, and that's why I don't like it. I almost see it as a bit of a sprinter type Grand National. You know, in a race where a horse who looks ready-made for it and might have the clear best form in it 
there's still that element of doubt of, well, this is a race where everything can go wrong and it not how, be our fault. How have you managed to get the Grand National involved in the pre-derby? <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't even on purpose. That wasn't even on purpose. But do you understand what I mean? I wouldn't want—I wouldn't be wanting to back a horse sub two to one to win the Abbey. Yeah, he even though Batash's form is clearly the best, and by some degree the horse with the form, uh, the second best form is Glass Slippers. Yeah, you know I think it's also a frustrating race to watch. The the camera angle is horrendous. You'd think by now that they'd have sorted it out. I mean, I've got stateside on Jim while I'm recording. So, any European camera angle is a complete blessing compared to what we have there. Uh, who are you interested in in the Abbey? Um, I like two, and I'm, I'm going to go against Batash because I, I think he's always vulnerable in this race. It's, it's always it's not, it's not one he's performed particularly very really well in. Um, I don't know understand why they don't just send him up to America. Send him to the Breeders' Cup. It's going to be better ground. It's going to be... It's more exciting it rather than running this. We've seen him flopping it before, and I don't want him to flop in it again. Um, I mean, glass slippers and make a challenge are probably where I'm going to be landing. Uh, both like soft ground um, to bottomless. Glass slippers' victory in uh, at the Curra in the Flying Five was... Great to see you get a head back in front in a Group One that was um, since winning this race last year, and she's she's always a horse I've been a massive massive fan on uh, fan of. She's an absolute. I want to say that she wants six furlongs because there's, there's part of me the fact that she's under pressure fairly early on makes me think that she wants to step up in trip. But I I think she you might as well keep her at five for the time being because she's doing a, a a fantastic job at it. Um, and I think she's got a fairly decent chance of retaining her crown. I'm completely ruling out Batash in this race because I, I I just don't think he'll run his race. Keep busy. Give. Well, surely, surely, mate, that's... I think it's stupid to rule out the best horse in the race yeah, just I, because I, the race is a bit strange. I think I, I, I think he's a a hard horse to convince yourself to back in this at the prices. I'm I'm willing to get beaten by him knowing that he's the best horse, if you get what I mean. Um, Yeah. I respect that he could win this, but I'm respecting that it's more than like... I'd say it's a 40% chance he's going to beat me. Right. So, therefore, I mean, he's 5-4, to so that's pretty pretty much uh, how the bookies have it as well. I'm trying to say something interesting. It's not but a particularly exciting race, is it? I, I, I love the Abbey. I love the Abbey because it makes no sense. <laughs> Always. It's a, it's, it's a stupid race that forms n- practically no relevance to any other race for the rest of the year, which is probably why we'll back the 66-1 shot. Tertius, uh, never heard of him, but he's in the Abbey, so... Could happen. Uh, no, look, the obvious alternative to Batash is glass slippers. And I don't particularly think there's a lurker. Liberty Beach 
is capable of running well in group ones over this trip. Not on the ground, though. Surely, surely she wants it rattling fast. Keep Busy's been running well recently for John Quinn. Uh, she could go well. You know, she's improving as well. Second to glass slippers last time. Maker Challenger's overall body of form is stronger than hers. On the most recent run, though, and getting the weight, maybe she'd be a more attractive bet at 12s than Maker Challenge at half the price. The home team is headed by Ed of Vals, who won a Group 3 over C&D last time out, uh, the Prix de Petit Couvert beating Woodard, who also reopposes in this. The French sprinters aren't up too much, are they? No, no. Generally, it's, it's one of them where I feel like the fav, I feel like almost everything is a bit too short, barring glass slippers. So maybe that'd be the way I'd go, because I'm looking at trying to come up with a little bit of a clever alternative. I look at Keep Busy and Liberty Beach at 12s, and I think both of them maybe. I'd be tempted maybe at 16s, but mm-hmm. maybe not 12s. If Batash becomes, oh, what price would you consider Batash backable? Actually, that's interesting. Nine to four. See, I'd say seven to four. He's miles clear of this field, most of this field. Glass Slippers has got seven pounds uh, to make up with him. Obviously, that becomes three with uh, the allowance. Then Archer's Dream. Sorry, and keep busy at 109 and 108, respectively. You know, so that's between him and the third highest rated horse is £17. So getting close enough to 2 to 1, I wouldn't consider a poor bet. The Abbey's the Abbey, though, and he flopped in it last year. He's won it before. I'd, I'd, I don't really want to be nailing my colours. Uh, to the mast at the minute, though. Fractionally, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned Archer's dream, sorry, um, because he, because she does have really good form on soft and heavy ground. Um, Do you know what, mate? When when I was trying to have a look for an interesting one, that was the one my eye was initially drawn to. Um, because. But, you, you, see, you see her wins, and and they're, they're not bad wins in, in decent company. No, but, I mean, is she, is she just constantly always found out at this level? And recently she's been generally over six, although I don't mind her over five. I think she can compete over five. But is she just becoming a little bit found out? Yeah, that's more than likely, but... That's, that was my only angle that the ground was certainly super. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And maybe I wouldn't... Maybe at 25 to 1, if you want to have a swing with an outsider, that could be the way to go. I wouldn't... I wouldn't call anyone daft to doing that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly in the glass slippers camp at the minute, at the prices. Be interesting to see how big we can get about Batash. Because I feel like a lot of people take a similar view to us. Yeah. And I think they will, and I do think he will drift, and the money will come for glass slippers. So if you fancy an hour back and out. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Uh, the 455, Jim, is the pre della Foray. I love the Foray. It's, an, it's a nice race, isn't it? It's always, 
you always feel like like oh the forest to to finish off the card. It makes you feel good, doesn't it? It does. What a lovely race and the best price at the minute. Uh, seven to four for her flight to beat three to one one master nine to two the boy himself safe voyage nine to one Lope Fernandez and sixteens you can get Lancaster House speak of the devil and Trobo twenty to one bar them I mean we want safe voyage to win but Just, will he um you know what yeah he will oh um, come on. I, I'm going to take Earth Light on here. Um, I respected him as a two-year-old, um, and I think he, his form was really, really good. We saw him come over to Newmarket and, and win the Middle Park. Um, the Commonwealth Cup winner was in, in second, in behind. Um, I know he's won twice this season, but I've been slightly disappointed. And I know he won the pre-de-pan very comfortably last time. But I'm, I feel like I want to get him beat every time. Um, and I, I think he's not faced anything as gritty as one master and safe voyage yet. And I think that he might struggle in a race like this. Um, we know what safe voyage is more than likely going to do. He's going to get his heavy ground and he's going to be able to dictate the pace from the front. Because I don't see an awful lot going along forward with him, um, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, Chabon is normally fairly forward uh, Speak of the Devils midfield Lope Fernandez held up Lancaster House goes forward but not probably not good enough at this grade um, so I think he might get a fair enough easy time in front and I think 4-1 to one is a decent enough price about him in my opinion Go on I'm not going to disagree with you that an entirely sentimental selection well, maybe not entirely sentimental, because he does have a chance. I'd rather be with one master than Earthlight here. Earthlight's not really had to have a real race this season. His fourth in the uh, Maurice de Geest was probably a more worthwhile run than either of his wins, which, OK, there was, well, he beat Trebol last time out. I don't think overall that form is up to loads at Group 1 level. And Earthlight did travel well for a fairway in the Morris to Geese, probably just got done by maybe slightly stronger stays in Lope Fernandez and Hello Humes in. And Space Blues obviously won that and would have surely danced up here. It was a really, really impressive two year old as Earthlight. And therefore, I think on every occasion this season, he's been sent off shorter than he should have been. And I feel like this is the case again here. Yeah, at 7-4, to four, I just want to take him on, because you know that one master and safe voyage are going to run the race. And at 3-4-1, and four to one, you'd be better off backing both of them than backing Earthlight, in my opinion. Yeah, there's not much else to say about one master that we haven't said every time she races. Winner of this for the past two years. Can the two fillies do the hat-tricks? That'd be lovely. Uh, probably a bigger fan of one master than I am of an able as well. Say that quietly. Uh, oh, Christ. It's not that I don't like her. It's not that I don't like her. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm fairly indifferent, whereas I genuinely like one master. You know what I mean? Yeah. I genuinely, I genuinely have all the time in the world for that horse, as I do for Safe Voyage. I, I hope both of them 
run really well, obviously, safe voyage. Uh, one last time out in, Fran- uh, in, in France, in Ireland, sorry. Brilliant ride as well, it was. From, was it Colin Keane on board that day? It certainly was. Yeah, perfect to nab Sinan. Safe voyage did one master as well. Fairly comfortably as well at York prior to that. He's having the form of his life. And one master wasn't bad at all at Donny last time. On the same day, in fact, as a safe voyage running Ireland, getting done by Wichita in the Park States. She's been, I mean, would you say generally slightly below form this season? Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, Only two uh, or three pounds, but... Yeah, not a lot, but uh, I'd agree with you. Uh, just, just another another one to just mention, and I know he's stepping up severely in grade, and he's a horse I've always liked a lot, is Toro Strike. And I do think he he is better on softer ground. He is 50 to 1 in a big old price, but I think 50 to 1 slightly insulting about him. Um, I, I think he should be half of that, and I think he probably will go off half of that price. Um, he's, he, he was fifth in the Britannia uh, on soft ground which I thought was a good performance and he's second uh, in the Supreme uh, behind Happy Power I think I think he'd, if he'd got a bit of cover and sat behind the pace then he, he would have done a bit better but he had to do all the donkey work that day and was picked up late on I do think he's a decent animal and I think 50 to 1 is a bit of an insult about him if I'm being honest 66 is with Brooks. Oh, don't tempt me with that. James Watson going 66-1 to 1 in the foray. What do you make of Lopi Fernandez before we move on, Jim, just finally? I, I've just about fallen off that cliff. Ha! <laughs> it's a fair way to put it. Although this face should play to his terms. I think he's an out-and-out out seven furlong horse. But again, <laughs> is a seven furlong horse, is he a proper group one horse? Does he fall slightly below that level? I'd think so. Uh, safe Voyage for me. Come on, the boy. Let's join the Safe Voyage fan club. Let's create it. Come on, lad. Oh, the Safe Voyage fan club was created a long, long time ago with us too, Jim. Uh, he's a horse I'll be cheering on the most on Arc Day. Not a shadow of a doubt. Uh, the two-year-old races, Jim, earlier on the card, they start with a pre-Jean-Luc Lagardère. And they currently bet best prices. Wembley, five to two favourite for Aidan O'Brien, ahead of eleven to four Nando Parado, three to one St Mark's Basilica, ten seal away, twelve laws of indices, sixteen's Libertine, twenties Cairngorm, and thirty-three to one for Selket. Uh, Jim Wembley. Yeah, Wembley's a funny horse to sort of get your head round, really. It's not your, your typical Aidan O'Brien sort of tried and trest, tested at group level uh, in, in previous starts. We only, we only saw him in the Vincent O'Brien National Stakes last time, and that was his first time in group company where he, he ran an absolute cracker. Um, well, can, can, can I put forward why, why, we only, why that was his first time in group company? Go on. Because he kept getting beat and he had to go to Roscommon to win a race. Which is not exactly the scenario that you normally see Aidan O'Brien Group 1 animals go, is it? No, St. Mark's Basilica went off for a Group 1 as a maiden. It's been a funny season. I was thinking about this the other day to myself and thinking it's not exactly, other than Battleground, 
not exactly been the best season for Aidan O'Brien's two-year-olds. And there was one that won today. Uh, I think it was it at Fairy House, um, and it took it, it took a fair bit of rousting along. But once he got the idea, uh, he absolutely rattled off. I think a few of them have been just a bit green and a bit backwards. And maybe the the way the season's been, it's been a bit different for for Coolmore's uh, two-year-olds. But it, it seems to they don't seem to have as much firepower as what you think in normal years as, uh, towards the end of the two-year-old season. Yeah, it's been, I mean, they've been generally a little bit flat, to be fair, this year. I'd agree with that, the ballad old two-year-olds. Maybe. Although that being said, maybe the better ones are middle distance types. You know, high definition looks slightly monstrous. Mm. And he's he's surely a free, more of a three-year-old than a two-year-old. Mm. You know, so maybe that's the way things are going this season. I don't like either of his two in this, though, Jim. The best form in the race is held by Nando Parado. Yeah, I think Nando Parado should really go off favourite, in my opinion. Um, I think he's got the best form in the race. I think uh, he's underappreciated in the market once again because he's not necessarily got the flashiest of profiles. Um, I thought in the Coventry, uh, stepping up to seven and a mile towards the end of the season would certainly suit him. Uh, He hit the line very well that day. And I, I thought that... Um, last time his run at Deauville in the Prix de Marnie was a, a good enough run he, he, he led his own uh, passageway on, on the stands rail and uh, he hung a bit across the track to try and find a bit of company for him and Campanel was obvi- is obviously a top class uh, filly and getting the weight off, off Nando Parado, Parado put, put the race to bed and um, I think Nando Parado has best form in this race, and I think he should be a lot shorter than what he is. There's not a word you've said there that I disagree with. Obviously, both Bally Doyle horses have to be respected. They're the prices they are because of what they did in the national stakes, which I kind of... Sorry, in the... Yeah, the national stakes. I get the national and the Phoenix confused every time. I know last week I called a... I said Lucky Vega won the national when he won the Phoenix. Happens every time with those races. Uh, and don't remember, that that form really, really strong at the time. But it's still both a, a fair level above anything else you've ever done. Although St. Matt's Basilica did run quite well, actually, in the Phoenix itself, despite finishing fifth. I, I think that was a better performance than it showed the, than the basic form suggests. I prefer him over his stable mate Wembley but I think they're both a little bit too short at 5-2 to two and 3-1 to one respectively uh, bigger prices Sealy Way won a listed race at Vichy back in August beaten over C&D here in the group 3 last time Laws of Indices we know a lot about him from the yard of Ken Condon turned over Lucky Vega in the railway stakes earlier in the season then finished behind him in the Phoenix and in the national, you see, his Phoenix stakes want to give him a chance here. He's he's ten to one though. Again, you've got to forgive a slightly below par effort. I think he's a step up to seven. That's the question with him. We saw him run over seven last time, and he, he despite it. And I've been of the opinion that uh, his stamina is unreliable over seven. And I think he's more of a speed horse than than a seven. Yeah, I mean, he is a. 
He's by power out of an... Uh, yeah, you look, you, you, look, you look at his half-brothers, all speedballs. Yeah, Pabon himself was an Oasis dream. Although, to be fair, probably Pabon's best horse is uh, Sonny Boy Liston, who's a mm. miler. Well, who was a miler and, and is go, who goes further now. Uh, he's out of a Dylan Thomas mare, though, <laughs> rather than an exceeding excellence. That's a very, very fair comment, that, Jim. Stamina to prove for laws of indices. Ken gone, maybe slightly fanned out. And good to see Libertine back out uh, her, for her first start for them since the 2008 Grand National. Uh, <laughs> second mention of the podcast. Go on. Uh, Nando Parado for us both. Yeah, simple as that. The Phillies version over a furlong further. So is it really a version? Uh, the Qatar pre-Marcel Boussac. Oh, it, sounds, it sounds quite good in my accent, that. Marcel Boussac. Six to four, five, pretty gorgeous. Ahead of seven to two, surely we're all in favour over. Six to one, Kings Harlequin and Tiger Tanaka. Uh, eight to one, Mother Earth. Nines, Thunder Beauty. Tens, Harajaku. I mean, surely the tactic is just back the Niarcos horse in this race. Uh, and then twelve to one, bar them. I mean, am I right? Are we all in favour over? I've, yeah, having back to Fevrova um, for the 1,000 guineas, I, I certainly think that she she really has a serious chance in this. I respect that Pretty Gorgeous quite clearly has the Group 1 form. Uh, we've seen her ding-dong t- tussles with Shale in, in recent weeks. It, uh, she's currently 2-1 down in that in that battle. Um, that, having got the better of her only in that debutante stakes, um, I think stepping up for Furlong will certainly suit Pretty Gorgeous more. I think at this moment in time, Shale is better over seven, and I do think Pretty Gorgeous is over a mile. I think Shale will be more of a um, Guinea's horse, whereas I can see Pretty Gorgeous being a Derby, uh, Oaks horse, sorry, um, in time. Uh, so the step up for Furlong will certainly suit. But I, I mean, Fevrova has. Sort of been underappreciated a bit really this season, not having the particularly flashy profile two seconds early on. Uh, I know they were against good horses, um, but even going into that listed race at Sandown to go off nine to four and in a field that hasn't really done an awful lot since, um, she did very well to win the Prix de Calvados last time. They went a right slow gallop and um, nothing really went for her. She was bumped early on and she she settled nicely and, and she was ridden furiously towards the end to get her head in front and I think her stamina got through that day and having something to just aim at um, the second got an easy lead out in front and uh, she was the only one to, to close close her down that day. My only my only question mark with Fever over at this moment in time is do they go for this or do they go for the Phillies mile? Um, in my opinion I think they'd be better off going for this. I think the ground will certainly suit her a lot more um, I do think she likes a bit of dig uh, underfoot. We've seen her run well on soft before. Um, and I think 4 to one's a fair enough price about her. Yeah, I can't, uh, I can't really disagree with any of that. I don't dislike Pretty Gorgeous. I think she's, you know, a really decent filler. One of the best we've seen this season. And... In form terms, she's a right fav. She's a right fav, but like I said, I've just been, I've been 
just really impressed with Fedrova. Every start this season. I mean, alternatives, mate. King's Harlequin was third to her last time out. Could she hit the frame? Um, um, you'd be close to hit straws, really. She, she also received a bump fairly early on, and um, just t- the, the turning to a sprint didn't really suit her, although it didn't really suit Fevrova either. Um, I think she might finish a bit closer to her, um, and I think a better run set, uh, a better run mile will certainly be more up her street. But I don't, I, I genuinely, I, it's just further over for me. Fair enough, mate. I'll be with you on that. Uh, that's it for Longchamp on the Sunday, Saturday, pal. <laughs> it's a little bit of a. It's a little bit of a weaker, weaker card, isn't it? There's a two group ones, the Prix de Cadran, over two and a half miles, call the wind, uh, six to five on favourite to win that, although there's a good story there coming out of Ireland with Tony Mullins as Princess Zoe, going for a five-timer after winning her, her second start at the Curra this season, off a mark of 70, Joey Sheridan, biggest ride of his career, good luck to them. The other group one is the Prix de Royer, for which Manuela de Vega is favourite. It's the race that MB would have won had she not been retired this week. I said to Jim before, I think it's the most irrelevant group one in Europe. Yeah, if you said to a racing fan, what's the Prix de Royer? Or how many of them would know that it was actually a group one and that it existed? No one. Uh, that's pretty much dominated, though, by British and Irish horses in the betting. Manuela de Vega, 72, 4-1, pissed off. George O'Brien, David Menuzier's wonderful tonight. It's fives, sixes, a bearer for the Aga Khan and Alenda Roy Dupre. Eight to one, Passion. Ten to one, Monica Sheriff. Twelve to one, Miss Yoda. Twenty to one, Spirit of Appin. So a load of familiar names in there. Uh, don't have time to really discuss it though. You've also got the pre dollar over a mile two for which Scaletti. His favourite to turn over Ocean Atlantique. The best from this side of Europe, Patrick Sarsfield for George O'Brien. is uh, a shortage price of the British and Irish runners. Nice to see the Revenant back out his first run since finishing runner-up in the QE2 in the pre-Daniel Wildenstein. He takes on the mighty Shaman uh, at 3.25. Obviously, we'll already be 5-0 up against Dagenham and Redbridge by that time. Uh, Motomaris and Memora, Ancient Spirit, uh, for Jesse Harrington, another representative from Britain and Ireland. The best domestic action of the weekend, well, I think it comes at Goran Park, uh, but on the flat, this two group threes at Ascot Gym as well, the big handicap, the Challenge Cup, we'll start with the Cumberland Lodge. Walkover for Logician really is uh, best price, 7-4 on to turn over Mirando. At 9-2, 10s, Highland Chief, 11s, Desert Encounter, 20s, bar them. Simple task. Yeah, simple as that. Logician wins. End of end of conversation. And if he was in any other colours, wouldn't he have been lovely to see him run at Longchamp and make a worthwhile race of the all affair? Uh, the Ben Goff Stakes, Jim, at 3.40. Kate Byron, 5-2 to, to beat the Tin Man, who's 3-1, to 8-1, Brando. 10s, breathtaking look and snazzy jazzy. 12s, Brad Debrief. 
14 to 1, Dubai Station, Raucous and Curious, then 33 to 1, the outsider is Tinto. Interesting race, Jim. Kate Byron's first out of the season. Took this race last year. On paper, winnable for him. Yeah, certainly. Um, as you said, won this race last year. Uh, has won on his debut before. Uh, looking at last season, uh, he, he kicked off in the Victoria Cup uh, over seven, which he won. And um, I, I think he's got a very good chance of um, renewing his crown here. There's some exposed types in behind that you know where you stand with. Um, the tin, tin man ran better than I thought last time in the uh, Sprint Cup. Um, he, he wasn't being too far in the end. And uh, Brando, I couldn't but tip him for the life of me. Um, if, if I was to, to, to put something up at a bigger price, I'd probably put up Dubai Station uh, at, at, at 14s. Um, last time he ran over five uh, in the Qatar behind Batash, but he won the Pavilion Stakes early on in the season. Uh, all a bit a lucky winner. Malatru should have really won. Um, but I, th- I think that he's less exposed than most of these. And I think that this is a, a possible winnable race for him uh, in comparison to what he's running previously. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I think, I think Pete K. Byron turns up and wins this. First run of the season, and the fact that he's having his first run of the season in October surely is a little bit of a worry. The Tin Man wasn't bad last time. He goes well in the Sprint Cup, and he held his own quite well in the Hartford as well, and he was second to Tab Deed, who and well, he wasn't handicapped, but was a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of an outlier having his first sort of crack at that sort of race. Going that and was really well supported in the market. He can compete. He can compete here, can the Tin Man, despite his age. I find breathtaking look interesting. She's run a couple of good races this season. Second to uh, Oxted uh, earlier in the year uh, at the Guineas meeting. Was it right back first weekend of the season? God, yeah. how is how is that so far away now when genuinely nothing has happened in the world? Uh, also got, I mean, she was second but a dream of dreams in the Hungerford States. All right. Absolutely spattered by him. Still ran a decent race, so he came home a fair way clear of the rest of the field who were pretty well strung out. Got a well-deserved win uh, in France two starts ago. And she'd be where I'd be here, Jim, at the prices. Ten to one. Look, she's, she's been running well in decent group threes. It's been taking... Good horses to beat. Kate Byron is better, I think. You know, yeah, in fact, yeah. I, I have no doubt over that. But could he be slightly vulnerable to a horse who is good at good at this level? Has been running all right this season. All right, yeah, you've got to figure a slightly poor run last time out. But I think the price of ten to one makes up for that. Yeah, but in seventeen starts, she's had ten different jockeys now. Um, Pat Cosgrave gets on board. It's, a weird one. Normally you see a jockey uh, get a good partnership with her and uh, you haven't really seen one yet. No, it'll be your turn soon, lad. It'll be your turn soon. I can't uh, remember the last time I did Nine Storm 2. You're about six. <laughs> More than likely. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
she'd be the bet for me each, an each way price. Yeah, and I, I, I'm of the same opinion. I think Tate Byron takes all the beating, but Dubai Station at price. 305 then, Jim. A big puzzle. The Total.com Challenge Cup Heritage Handicap. And Jesus Christ, Kinran, Raising Sand and Blue Mist are in the first four of the betting for an Ascot Handicap. Water's wet, the sky's blue. Just like me saying nothing's happened in the world, Jim. <laughs> and nothing could happen in the world for another three years and that would still be happening. Uh, Kinran, 6-1 to one, Fav. To win the uh, Total.co UK Challenge Cup, 7-1 to one, River Nymph for Clive Cox. Eight raising sand, seventeen to two blue mist, and you get in twelve to green side. Fascinating Kinoticus here. Also Shalia. Fourteen to one Admiralty. Sixteen to one. Bar them. You've already had a bet in this race, Jim. Who was it on? I can't believe I've done it, but raising sand. I, I, th- I think everything's going to be in his favour. Um, I think the ground is going to certainly come for him. The, the looking at Ascot weather throughout the week. Um, it's going to be absolutely pouring down. I think the ground's going to be in his favour. I think Safi Osborne claiming seven off his back. He's an absolute steal. Um, she's a apprentice going places and certainly needs to uh, put a study where she goes because she's been banging in the winners in the last couple of weeks and she's really blossomed uh, as a jockey. She was um, looked very inexperienced and uh, unfurnished in the finish, but now she looks the ultimate professional and, and getting the ride above Raising Sand, who is the ultimate gent, uh, will certainly help her uh, in her riding career. To go, I think um, taking seven pounds off his back is a steal, and I think eight to one is a fair enough price about it. And I think you'll go very close here. Fair enough, mate. I quite like. Look, I'm never going to slag off Raising. One of my favourite horses, and this is a sort of race he should go really well in. At a bit of a price, I quite like Shalia. Yeah. Well, 12 to 1. Ran well in that uh, handicap that worked out really well at the Ebo meeting. Finished sixth there, and a fast finishing sixth. Then went and got the job done at first last time out. Sorry, two starts ago last time out. Third behind Johan and Brunch up at air. Johan was the sort of horse all season who looked like he was capable of winning a race on a Saturday. You know, Brunch isn't a poor animal either. He's not gone up for that. Up six for his win at first. You know, was running good races when he was trained in Ireland. He's just been particularly consistent this year for David O'Mara. He's two pounds down from when he finished fifth in the Buckingham Palace, you know. It's not a I don't think it's inconceivable that he's still on a decent mark off 95. You know, ran well over C&D earlier in the season. Hasn't been in poor form since. And he's 12-1. to 1. If the ground's soft, I do have a worry with him, though. Even though he did win on good to soft at first. If it is bottomless, I do think he's, he is better on more good to firm ground. I could see why you'd say that, but it's not something I particularly... He wouldn't swing it one way or another for me. I don't think he's entirely ground dependent. He's got he's got decent performances on softish ground as well. So it wouldn't be something that whilst I I see where you're coming from, it wouldn't be something that I'd look at and say, oh no, I can't have him because of it. Uh, River, Nim, River Nim's the main the main danger for me. 
the three-year-old going into this, just been doing his best work uh, over seven of recently, having been a, a campaigned early on at six, um, took a Newbury handicap very impressively, and, and look, the handicapper certainly didn't miss him. He's uh, put him up seventeen pounds after them two wins, one at Ascot, one at, at Newbury, um, and I think he's he's the lurker that could be group horse in a handicap in time. Um, I know he doesn't necessarily have the flashiest of profiles, but them two performances certainly warrant his place in this. Fair enough, mate. I can't say much fairer than that. Shalia for me. Raising Sand, all aboard. We love that. And do you know what? If Raising, if Raising Sand's in a battle with any other horse, you know who I'm cheering on. Yeah. You know who I'm cheering on. Raising Sand and Sullivan, the Ascot Handicap Brothers. Uh, it's also the Sun Chariot, which we completely forgot about. <laughs> 245 at Newmarket. Another group one. Uh, 7 to 2, Champers Elise. 15 to 4, Peaceful. 11 to 2, Terrabellum. 6 to 1, Nazif and Voracious. 11 to 1, Half Light. 14's Billsden Brook. 16's Feliciana de Vega. And 20 to 1, Barlin. Good, good couple of fillies assembled here, Champers Elise. Looking for the five time of this season, now in Japanese colours. I mean, she, she's going a perfect way. Should she confirm form with Peaceful? I, th- I think she will. I, I think they'll go a good gallop like they did last time, and I think she'll pick them up later. It was a first time over a mile last time, um, and she kept on well. I thought she's, she stayed the distance really, really well, and I'm of the opinion that I think she will take a bit of beating here. I, I know it's unoriginal, um, but I think she she's got the form to beat Peaceful again. Terra Bellum's been slightly disappointing her, and at the start of the season when she won the Darley Estates, I said she's definitely got a Group 1 in her by the end of the year. Um, I thought it would have come uh, in the Falmouth. She ran um, a, a creditable race in the Queen Anne, stepping down to a mile. Um, was disappointing in the Falmouth over a, over a mile there. Uh, she's over a mile here again, and I, I th- think that a mile and two is probably more up her street. Um, but you, having had a nice mid-season break back for an autumn campaign, you certainly wouldn't rule out Terra Bellum. Um, Voracious is and, and a horse that I've got wrong many a time, but um, she absolutely blitzed the field in the form, of, including one master who we, we mentioned goes to the foray and been outstanding this season. Um, she had a seasonal reappearance at Haydock, getting a head, head in front in the Dick Hearn um, did what she had to do. Nice reappearance. Stayed on strongly. I, I, she's dangerous to rule out after having wind surgery for the second time. And good old Billsden Brook, who you always know what you're sort of going to get with, with her. And she'll run a race. And she won this last year beating Voracious. Um, so, certainly a fascinating race. But I, I think Champers Elise is the one who could probably kick on again from that victory last time. That's fair enough. Look, I think you'd be you'd be daft to to really say a bad word with Champers Elise with all the improvement she's done this season. And there's not loads between her and Peaceful. The market probably has it right. You know, Peaceful's a I think he's a bona fide group on filler in this sort of race. Hard to slate much of what she's done this season. 
wouldn't particularly take loads for her to turn the table. But I think the market has it right that Champs-Élysées is a favourite. You know, odd merit, she pouts, you know, she fair-powered clear when, when she was asked to at Leopardstown last time out. And the curve she's been on is probably a little bit steeper than what Peso is, although that's not me ruling out the old Brian Philly. I like Terry Bellum. Yeah. yeah. You know, the Queen Anne getting to within ahead of Circus Maximus is is really, really good form. It's really, really good form. She absolutely bolted up in the Dahlia first start, like you said. And I guess, I, I, I'd say it's a little bit harsh saying forgive her for the Falmouth. Because she didn't run poorly in the Falmouth. She was, she was sent off odds on fog, but she was still within, you know, a quarter of a length for winning the race. And if she didn't, if she didn't get turned over there, she'd be half the price. So therefore, for me, you're getting she's double the price because of a quarter of a length, and that to me is an overreaction from the bookies, and that makes her a decent bet. You can excuse Nazif because she looks like a better miler than she does a twelve, uh, 12 furlong or ten furlong, ten furlong, not twelve. Good maths. Uh, again, two runs that you'd say were slightly below par though the last twice. Battled on at a trip that should suit her, battled on a little bit bigger to seven than seven after that. Voracious got turned over in this race last year by Bilsden Brook. Bilsden Brook's 14 to one. This is sort of price that people will be wanting to back Bilsden Brook at each way. It's the sort of race you could pop up in. You know, so solid. Uh, look, Voracious was good last time out, beating Posted. Posted won really well the tight, uh, on her start after that as well. In a good race. From Montafam and Lavender's Blue, who's in here as well at a big price. She can compete. Voracious can compete. Good form on heavy ground as well. We saw her finish fourth in the QE2 last season. As an older mare, is he slightly, un- not under the radar, but is he slightly underestimated at 7 to 1? Yeah, I <laughs> certainly think so. Um, she had a perfectly good season of reappearance, like I said. And, um, she gets on really well with all she and who, who rode her to a, a, probably a biggest win in her career in the Falmer. Yeah. This is a good renewal of the Sun Chariot, Jim. I'm looking forward to it, even though I wasn't, didn't realise it was happening until half an hour ago. <laughs> As if you didn't even know. I thought you were just going to smoothly gloss I was meant to be there. I was meant to be there as well. Oh, that's sad, isn't it? Yeah, I was as well. I was meant to be, I was meant to be down in Newmarket uh, for the BH, uh, with the BHA thing this weekend. And that's being postponed. I completely forgot it, the Sun Chariot was happening. Uh, do you know, do you want to know the reason why I forgot, Jim? Go on. Because there's some really good jumping horses at Gorham Park. Uh, they don't have a price yet. But Peregrine Run versus Easy Game versus Hardline versus Paloma Blue versus Put the Kettle On versus a Storyteller. You can make a genuine case for all six. <laughs> so who wins then? Make, make your choice. I'm with easy game, mate. Oh, am I? I think it's between easy game and the storyteller. But then I also say, well, why, why aren't I saying Peregrine Run? Because this is the sort of race he just, he just loves, doesn't he? Small field, little grade two over two and a half miles. The best recent form is probably the storytellers. 
you know, he was shocking in the Galway plate, pulled up really early, then went and won two days later in a race that really shouldn't exist because it was half harder than running the Galway plate. Uh, one over hurdles off time out, that's probably the strongest form. Or am I, am I being harsh to the sort of Arkle horses? Because obviously Hardline was, you know, went off fab for the Arkle. Well, didn't, uh, yeah, he did go off fab for the Arkle, didn't he, two years ago? And put the kettle on, won the Arkle last season. I'm fascinated to find out what you make of put the kettle on and what you, how good you think she is. Um, well, she put up a really, really good performance beating Fakir last year at, at the Cheltenham Festival. That Arkle's a big question mark because there was Notebook was never really himself. Cashback uh, was well beaten when he fell, but uh, it was a puzzling race. Brewing up a storm was never in it. Um, I'd like to have seen her do it again in novice company. However, we didn't. We weren't fortunate enough. I think this is a decent enough target for her, and I think put the kettle on um, is probably where I'm going to land. I, uh, like I said, mate, I can make genuine cases for them all. I don't like being against Peregrine because it's sort of thing that makes you look silly, and I'm not against him. Give him weight away to these runner-up in this last season. I'll, I'll probably just about come down on the side of easy game. Fractionally, one last time out of Tremor. Alright, fairly disappointing in the Galway plate. But look, it was very nearly a grade one winning novice last season. Beat Alaho over the trip that apparently Alaho is going to win the Ryanair over. Uh, we'll get into that when we talk about the, uh, when we have a proper jump season preview podcast, which will be coming quite soon. Not keen on Alaho this year, me. Uh, this could be his level I, I, I didn't mind easy game as a hurdler either and I hope this is within his level really looking forward to it though best jumps race of the season so far get in RTR nap time Whoa. straight in um... unless there's anything else you want to mention well there's, there's there was the two races at Redka uh, the my Oberon Calusi round, whatever it is, uh, in the Guysborough Stakes. And there's the two-year-old trophy from Redka, which is always a race I quite enjoy. Uh, digital, uh, back down to six furlongs at 20 to 1, offers a bit of value, in my opinion. Um, and uh, Sprite was a very good winner at Doncaster in a nursery. Uh, she turns up there as well, and I think she'll go well at six to one. Um Nap time. Um, oh, I'm going to nap. Safe voyage. Go on. Oh, I love that. Because why not? Um, next best glass slippers. Um, and my reserve will be raising sand. Good shout, mate. Good shouts. I like them. My nap's going to be... Nando Parado. Ooh. To win the Jean-Luc Lagardère. 
just I quite like him. I quite like him. Uh, next best time. Can I say Emmy Tom at your talk show? Yeah. Have a little bit on. of national corner. Go on. Uh, making his chase debut. That looks like it'll be a good race as well. Uh, Hurricane Harvey jocked up in there. So is Bossman Fred. They're both above average hurdlers. You've also got the likes of Mason Jar, Monsieur Lecoq, uh, Quartz de Rowe. Trincomalee, who ran today, actually got beat by Getaway Trump. Uh, in that, unless he was a non-runner. No, he did. Jim Comalee did run today. He did. Uh, it's a really good race at Fontwell as well. A really, really tidy handicap uh, chase as well tomorrow. Imperial Presence, Cobra de Mai, Eric LaRouche, Highway 101. Oh, it's getting good. Uh, my reserve, mate. Oh yeah, let's both have him. In fact, let's swap it around. I'll go Emmy Tom with the reserve. Let's both be with Safe Voyage as one of the best bets of the week. Come on, Voyage. It's all about it's all about him on Sunday. Enable who? <laughs> That's the name of the podcast. Enable who? Oh God, no, mate. If you call it that, my career is over. <laughs> uh, no, I, I might save your reputation. My what career got is over. Safe Voyage podcast on our way to France and then hopefully on our way to America. Jesus Christ, mate, we could have been on a world tour this year. What a nightmare. Oh, but we're with Safe Voyage in spirit. We are. What a lovely sentiment. I hope Enable wins as well. I hope Enable wins. It's a quality weekend of racing. We hope you've enjoyed Turf Talk. Uh, We hope you enjoy this weekend as well. It's looking mint. Uh, thanks to rating the racers for their support. We're prepping now, uh, putting stuff together for the jump season, so hopefully we'll bring you a couple of nice episodes to get you back into the mood for that. Uh, and we hope you've enjoyed listening. See you all again soon. Stay safe.